welcome. Thank you for joining us here at AmazingLove.org. And, uh, you know, it's been a dream of mine to reach people all across the world with a message of Jesus and his love. And so whether you're joining us from near or far, so glad that you're here. And we'd love to hear what God is doing in your life. So if he's blessed you by this ministry, please email us at impactatamazinglove at gmail.com. If you'd like to support this ministry and make sermons like this possible every week ongoing, please go to amazinglove.org and go to our giving tab. But now may God bless you. May he guide you. May he speak into your life and direct you all through the power of his love. Thank you. Dear friends, I think we spend a lot of time and energy on things of little consequence. I think I, I know what it is to spend a lot of words and emotion and passion to argue for my preference, and I'm going to give you an example. Um, I feel that this movie, um, let me bring it up here for you, The Three Amigos, is one of the greatest movies that ever was. And let me explain why. Let me, let me just give you my argument, my, my premise. Um, I believe that you will never use the word plethora without thinking about this scene when El Guapo asks Jefe if he has a plethora of piñatas. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Anyone with me? Right. Do I have a plethora? I would not like you to tell me I have a plethora unless you know what a plethora is, right? Or, or maybe it's the word infamous. You'll never th hear that word infamous unless you've seen the three amigos and use it in a completely different way. Um, I love so many things about it. There's one time where they go into the complex, the three amigos, and, and one of them gets known. He was hiding, gets known, and, and El Guapo asks, what is this? Are amigos falling from the sky? Boom falls down from the sky. It's just it's great. I love, the, I love the name El Guapo. Do you know what El Guapo means in Spanish? The handsome. Yeah, yeah. And I was watching it recently because it really is one of my favorite movies. So like this was in the last few months. And uh, what really hit me was, was this one. They're looking for the singing bush. And there is a bush that is singing. And, and many times they ask, are you the singing bush? Because <laughs> there's so many other singing bushes to choose from. So I believe that The Three Amigos is maybe one of the greatest comedic adventures that you could uh, take in. And, and if you don't agree with my opinion, I just don't know what to do with you. I mean, it's crazy. So made my argument for my favorite movie. Well, maybe not argued for your favorite movie, but you ever done this on Facebook? Where you post something on Facebook that really hit you. It was a, it was a video. It was a meme. It was a, a phrase. And once you post it, you're just waiting for it to light up, right? You know, like, people are going to like what I like, you know? Um, it's got good taste here. I saw a church meme. Uh, can I share some church photos that I just thought were really clever? Um, there, this was on Facebook <clears throat> of that one. Yeah. You guys are actually really good at that, so keep that up. Good job. Um, or, or this one. Right, right? You just, oh, yes. This is my song, right? Um, this one. I hope you leave that way today. It was, it was just good to be in the house of God today. And then this one I am guilty of. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. And if you've ever posted something like that, it hits you. And again, you're just waiting for other people just to recognize that you have superior tastes. You just do. Right? And if, if everyone would just believe what you believe and act how you act and think how you think, the world would just be a better place. Let's just face it. Right? But apart from the silly things are the actual heated debates. Like I have seen on Facebook, people get into like verbal fisticuffs over the preference of like a pop star, over a political point of view, over a baseball team, over what to wear in the fall season or how to raise the kids, and maybe you know what I'm talking about, right? And people get very passionate where at the end of the day they use a lot of time and energy and words when the world doesn't change. No one's opinion gets moved, at least even in iota, they just get entrenched. And you have just done a huge waste of time. 
Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen what I'm talking about? Maybe you're part of what I'm talking about. Well, I believe there is something that is worth, actually, the time and the energy. There is something, my friends, that is worth fighting for. And we sang Onward, Christian Soldiers, because this is going to be a battle this thing that we talk about today. This thing doesn't happen nonchalantly. This thing doesn't happen without you knowing it happens. This thing is hard work, what we talk about today. So let me catch you up with the premise. The premise of the series that we're in, and welcome again if you're a guest or visitor, is the space between us. And the idea is that no matter who you walk with, it could be your bestie, your BFF, it could be your spouse, it could be a child, it could be someone you you thought you'd never argue with because they were just so awesome. No matter who you walk with, because we're imperfect and they're imperfect, there will be hurt eventually. You walk with anyone long enough and they will either hurt you or you will hurt them. And what will happen is space. What will happen is that there is distance between that once close relationship. And if you don't expect it, it's, it's kind of like, let me put it this way, it's kind of like buying this car um, and expecting it never to need brakes, never to need an oil change for it to never break down. You know, no one buys this car or a used car without those expectations. So I, I mean to say, as you walk with people, your expectation should be there's going to be a breakdown. <laughs> there's going to need an oil change. There's going to need a new set of tires because we are all imperfect, sinful creatures. So last week we said one way of answering the space is through sincere love. Sincere love and empathy. Today, you ready for the topic? Have I led you on enough? Forgiveness. What it is to truly forgive from the heart those deepest of hurts. And I can't overstate the importance of forgiveness. There's no way I can. This is so central. It saturates our spiritual lives, either positively or negatively, on how we process forgiveness. In fact, I remember going to a coaching network and there was a professional counselor who said that many of our mental disorders are just because people haven't processed forgiveness in a way that was proper, whether they've forgiven themselves or forgiven others. Many mental disorders, whether it be depression or anything else, because they didn't handle forgiveness I would say to you that those that I have a privilege of counseling from the Bible, 75 to 90% of the times I counsel have to do with this issue of forgiveness at its very core. At its very core. I cannot overstate how important this work, this hard work, this thing to fight for is when it comes to our spiritual lives. So I invite you to perk up. I invite you to take it seriously. I invite you to fight to stay in this discussion and fight to use this information so that we might be benefited and the whole world might get a little bit better. Fair? All right. So we're going to get into the Word of God because God's Word is the basis for our direction here at Amazing Love. And I've never done this before, but I'm preaching on the same text that I did last week. The same exact text. And that is because what Paul has here, it is so incredible for relational wisdom. It's so chock full of how you can really get along if you just do what's in here. But I want to emphasize particularly verses 18 through 21. Please look there with me. Verses 18 through 21. We'll start with the unbolded section of 18. It says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. 
And what's interesting, again, we talked about last time, sometimes it's not always possible. And, and, and this huge discussion in today is going to be about what you have to do, not what they have to do. Okay? What you have to do, not what they have to do. Don't, don't say, oh, I really wish you would have heard the sermon today. Don't, don't do that today, okay? As far as it depends on you, what you have to do, live at peace. Verse 19. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it's mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will keep burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You guys ready? All right, let's talk about the words today and may it be beneficial for our lives. Something that's interesting as a pastor, if you're in my shoes, is that God gives me opportunity to use what I'm actually going to preach on. He does. It's kind of like his challenge. Like, a young man, are you actually going to do this or are you just going to speak about it? And that's why for the next year, we're going to do a series called Taste and See the Lord is Good. We're just going to do it all in blessings. So I'm just going to live that out, God. That's what we're going to... That's my joke, anyway. Um, I had a chance to use what we're talking about very recently, and it was on my mind because I knew this Sunday was coming. I had this situation where I was in a group of people and an offense was given. And I don't consider myself very easily offended. I can let a lot of different things go. And that morning I had had my coffee, you know, and I wasn't too tired, you know, so I couldn't blame it on the lack of coffee, all that, right? Um, but, but as much as I processed, I still, it was still sticking with me. I, I couldn't. And, and there was, I was like raging like a cage, you know, it, just, it, was, it was in there, right? Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? And because of what happened, I hit this, a fork in the road. And I remember it vividly. I remember if I chose one path, if I chose this path, let's say, this path would mean many bad things, including anger for the rest of the day. That's what the path meant. It would mean coping in all the bad ways. And, and what I mean by that is probably gossip. I'd go back and say, can you believe, did you, I need to tell you what happened, and I, you know, come on, right? This path also meant bad things for that relationship. It meant I, I kind of wanted to write the person off. Like, I hope I don't see him again. I hope I don't have to be in the group again. Am I being too real for you as a pastor? I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm a real guy. Do you know that? Imperfect dude sharing the perfect one. But anyway, that path led all the wrong things, all the wrong ways. But the other path wasn't easy. The other path meant I had to do this icky thing called confrontation, where I had to go to that person and say, you hurt me. By the Spirit's power, I chose this path. Can I tell you what happened? I said, you hurt me. And the person was very gracious and say, I'm sorry. I was able to say, you're forgiven. I learned something about this person. I gained some empathy because it's something that they struggled with. What they hurt me with was something they actually struggle with. It led me to understand them a little bit more. And what happened is that my anger subsided. What happened is I can walk with this individual. In fact, I look forward to it. What happened is that actually I'm closer now to that individual than I ever was before any of this ever happened because of that other path. Here's something you may not think of, our first point when it comes to forgiveness. That choosing not to confront at times is choosing space. Choosing not to confront and not to say what you did is actually choosing a longer separation. Now, let me be very clear. I'm not talking about bringing up everything. 
I'm not talking about bringing up every little thing. If you can't get over every little thing, you haven't matured in the faith. Okay? Uh, in fact, I was reading from Solomon, and, and, and he was talking about someone who brings up everything and how awful that is. Maybe you've uh, heard this passage. It says, better to live on the corner of the roof than to share a house with a nagging wife. And it could be a nagging anyone, right? Um, this reminds me of putting up Christmas lights. I, I play out this passage many times, and the corner of the roof isn't that great, my friends. But Solomon says, you know someone who, who can't let anything go? That corner is better than that household. That corner is better than that relationship. So, so this is not talking about, again, not overlooking offenses. As a Christian, you should do this regularly and often, okay? Even without them apologizing. But what we're talking about is when you hit the fork in the road. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. When, when you have two really hard options, one is either to maybe write them off, to gossip about it in all the wrong ways, to handle it in a way that you know is not God-pleasing, or to say, because I value you in this relationship, I'm going to go to you. Now look what God has to say to us. Let's, let's consider Matthew 18. We don't hear this passage very much. It says, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his offense just between the two of you. Between the two of you is so essential. So we don't gossip, so we don't tear down in public those who offended us privately. And you know the true heart behind this, this text of going? It's not for me to lord over someone how better than I, I am than they are. How much more advanced I am in the faith, because you did that and I can't believe. That is the wrong attitude. The true heart of why you would do this is forgiveness. That the person who offended might know you are forgiven through our God, brother or sister. Not only forgiveness this way between the offender, you may know you're forgiven, but also forgiveness this way so we can walk along, so we can have peace, so that the space that happened doesn't have to remain. In the world we live in, I need to qualify this. What is this word, brother or sister? Brother sins against you. So this is talking about a Christian context. Ours is not to go into America and find those who don't confess Christ and say, I can't believe you. This is talking about those you walk with frequently, maybe in your household, the household of believers who we do out of love. And is our culture good at confrontation? Is this going on often in the proper ways? I would say that we're pretty awful at it, confrontation. But you know who's really good at confronting? God. <laughs> God's really good at confronting. In fact, you open the pages of Scripture, he knows how to call a spade a spade. He knows how to throw no punches. He, he, he knows, or pull no punches. He knows what to do when someone's in the wrong. In fact, we have a passage, and it tells us what happens, what we deserve when we're wrong. Romans 6.23, maybe you can fill in the blank. It says, the wages of sin is... Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't lighten it, does he? What you deserve because of all the, the sin that you do, he calls it wrong, is death. Death, not in this, in this life only, but death in hell. Or look at the words from Ezekiel. He speaks to the prophet Ezekiel. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked person should turn from his way and live. Repent, repent of your evil ways. He doesn't call them shenanigans. He doesn't call it all that tomfoolery. He, he doesn't wink and smile and look the other way like our grandfather. He doesn't just say, you do you, I'll do me, right? He's saying what you're doing when you disobey is evil. It is wrong. And then he's very clear about what they deserve. If I highlight the yellow, they deserve death. Right? There's no other way around it. And dear friends, we need to be confronted by this. We need to see how heavy is the weight of our offense. 
Because we have done evil, haven't we? We know what it is to be loveless. This topic is so hard because we struggle at showing love at times. And today's the day we need to break down and say, I am sorry. Today is the day where we say, I am going to fight for love. But God, he's not just good at confronting. Why we've gathered, he's quick to forgive. You read the Old Testament, how often that they rejected, how often they went away. And he's like, but if you'd only turn, I'd wrap you, you know, like a, like a hand gathers chicks. I'd hug you. I'd remind you that you are forgiven. And I need you to know the true heart of God, that, that it is true we deserve condemnation, but he won restoration. And that is ours fully, completely today. You, you have it now. The wages of sin is death, but death was given through Jesus. And that through the blood he shed, we are forgiven. We're at peace. And you know how Romans 6.23 ends. It says the wages of sin is death, but the, the gift. <laughs> the gift. We got a gift. Do you know you have the gift of eternal life today? I don't care what's happening in your life right now, but when you have eternal life through Jesus, nothing's really that bad, is it? We're a little bit untouchable, aren't we? Because even if we die, even if we're in bad relationships, we know an unfailing love, and we know we have eternal life, and that is never going to be taken away. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We find Jesus here. Jesus, who doesn't pull any punches, but also who is lavish with forgiveness. Every time you need it. Mercy's new every morning for you and for me. But dear friends, what he's done for us is what he charges us to do. It says, go and do likewise. Give to others what I have given you. And it's not easy because we're not Jesus. And so as we continue, I wanted to consider what, what happens if we choose a path of unforgiveness. Let's just consider that just for a moment. I, I don't want to stay there, but just for a moment. What happens if we choose the path of unforgiveness? And I want to talk a little bit about renting houses. I don't know if any of you have ever been a renter. I don't know if you've ever rented out a house. Um, think of this hypothetical situation. Let's say that you're renting out a space a house or an apartment. And if you were renting out a space as if I were, I would probably look that they have good credit. I would probably look that they are upstanding people. I would probably make them pay on time and make sure they're not destroying the place because, again, it's my place. Well, let's say hypothetically that in this space that you're renting out, you have a tenant who is just flat-out awful. They are smashing in the drywall. They are tearing up the hardwoods. They have pets, and they don't even pay you rent. Every time you say to, to give a payment, they don't pay. And so you have some tenants who, again, are just destroying stuff, and that's the situation as you rent. Not a good situation, right? That is a great picture of unforgiveness. And do you know where those tenants live who we just talked about and didn't want? Here! They are smashing the walls, aren't they? They're tearing down the hardwoods. It's deteriorating all in here because we haven't forgiven them. And not only when we don't forgive are we choosing space, we're choosing hurt on top of hurt. That's the next point. Uh, it's, it's like it wasn't enough that they did it once to us. When we don't forgive them, we're asking them to do it again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And they're just tearing up the place and they're not even paying rent. And you got some ghosts going on, and, and they need to get out. It's called eviction. Got to get them out. So one of the things just to forgive is 
is for your own good. You got to evict those nasty tenants. You got to let them go. They don't. They may not even be in your life anymore, and yet they're clearing up and clogging up the space of your mind. So forgive because of you, what you need. But forgive more because of because of God, if you call God your God, and what He did for you. So let's talk about what forgiveness is and what it isn't. As we choose to forgive, and the Spirit can enable us to do the crazy, can He? The Spirit can enable us to do the crazy. As we choose to forgive, here's what you need to know about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not condoning. Some of you are saying, but pastor, it's like I'm letting him off the hook. There's, there's no one let off the hook. It's not condoning. If it was okay, it wouldn't need to be forgiven. And I love how God actually answers this heart for us when he says in verse 19, look at verse 19. He says, don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. It is written in his mind to avenge, I will repay. Your heavenly father looks down at you as child and he says, it is not okay that they did that. Absolutely not. I pull no pensions. A spade is a spade. But it is mine to sort it out. It is mine to clear up the mess. And I was reading a Bible commentator about this, and um, he was a uh, Lenskian, and he was so brilliant we called him the oracle. Well, the oracle said this. He said, A juster hand than yours and mine rules, and he will indeed in most perfect justice mete out full due to every rascal. Not sure we call people rascals anymore, but... Do you believe that? Do you believe there is a just judge? I sure do. I believe he's so powerful, he's so wise, that he misses nothing. I believe that there is accounting for everyone and all the people in the world, and I'm going to leave that to God. And for me, I'm going to plead for mercy, and I'm going to recognize, though, that there is justice, and there is payment for every wrong. So it's not condoning when we forgive. It's not letting them off the hook. Not at all. What else is forgiveness? Forgiveness is a process. It is a process. This is huge to understand. I don't know how many of you have been to Carnival. I saw one in New Lenox. But uh, in Carnivals at Six Flags, there's a whack-a-mole. Anyone play whack-a-mole? Concept of whack-a-mole is one mole comes up, another mole goes, and you have to try to find all the moles. So they just keep popping up until the time is done, right? And... Um, if you haven't thought about the hurt that way, you need to understand that about what they did. See, our deepest hurts, we may forgive at one point, and, and we might be like, well, I forgave it, and it should be done with, right? But those moles, if it was deep, they keep coming up, don't they? They keep popping up again and again and again. And what, what, what you need to understand is sometimes you're in a spiritual funk just because you didn't know you have to forgive it again. Do you know that? You gotta forgive it again, 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 forgive it again. It has to be repetitious, my friends, because those moles will keep coming up. And here's what I would commit to you that if you just forgive it again and forgive it again, 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 if you do that, I believe the moles stop popping quite frequently. They slow down a little bit. When you forgive it again, forgive it again, forgive it again, kind of like saying that, forgive it again, forgive it again. Maybe it's up. Maybe you will never forget it, but maybe it will just come every so often because of how often you have forgiven it and forgiven it and forgiven it. And that's the only way past it, to forgive. About this point, even though forgiveness is a process, that doesn't mean you enable them to do it again. The relationship is not always the same. God doesn't ask that. 
Sometimes in a relationship, there are now boundaries because of the sin that happened. That is fine. This is not enabling, my friends. But you need to know in the mental fortitude that it's going to come up again and you've got to forgive it again. All right. Forgiveness, we're, we're doing some hard work. More about forgiveness. Forgiveness, I believe, draws us into a deeper appreciation of what Jesus did. I don't know how many of you have lived long enough to do a role reversal with your parents, if your parents are alive. And it's interesting as I grow into adulthood how when I used to be comforted, now sometimes I'm comforting. When, when I used to counsel, uh, you know, or get counseled, now I'm doing sometimes counseling. When, when, when I, I used to, you know, be provided for, now sometimes I'm providing. And I want to draw on one little thing is um, uh, going out to eat. And my parents were so good that when we got together in Florida, they'd often just, you know, foot the bill and pick up the tab. We go to great places. We went to places like Bonefish Grill. Yeah, yeah, get some tuna that was raw. It tastes like jelly. It's great. Some little creme brulee, you know. Got some awesome fish, and guess who picked up the tab? Mom and Dad did. It was great. It was great. But I've lived long enough, and I've tried to return the favor, and then I look at the tab, and I'm like, they made that seem a whole lot more nonchalant. <laughs> it's a big bill. <laughs> Not sure I'm grown up that much yet. <laughs> Can we roll reverse again? <laughs> Because the reality is, you don't recognize all that parents do for you until you have to do for them, right? And some of you moms are like, yeah, I didn't know what my mom did until I became one. Oh, my goodness. Love you, mom. Love you, mom. You're great. You're a saint, right? And I believe, here's where I'm going. Part of the reason God asks us to forgive is because then we're drawn in to what it took for him, what it takes from him, what it cost him. When you go back in your relationship and you start picking up the tab, which is called forgiving people, you start recognizing the true price of your forgiveness, and you'll never be the same. And you'll have to drop to your knees and you'll have to say, God, your love is better. God, your love goes further. God, your idea of love is grander than mine could ever be because what struck me and is so hard for me, you did willingly when I was a runt, when I was a rascal, when I was more than a rascal. See, what we do is, is we get to do what Jesus did and it draws us to see the price that he paid and we never forget it, do we? We recognize what true love is all about that Jesus gave. But I want to close on maybe the most powerful thought. The most powerful thought and idea I think comes in verses 20 and 21. Please look there with me. It says, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The biggest point I wanted to share with you is this, that choosing to forgive, I believe, is the greatest display of Jesus' love. See, at Amazing Love, we're actually trying to be like Jesus. And there are great things going on. We, we were in a parade handing out uh, brochures, and, and thank you, Aaron, for that work. And, and we have picnics where we invite people and try to say, God is good, look at all this food, right, you know. And, and thank you, Judy, for, for your work. And, and we're doing mornings with mommy where we're inviting young moms to come and see that God is good and we're loving, and that's what we're about. And thank you, Marlena. And, and we're doing all of these things, but, 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 but they're light. They're light in display. For the greatest display, you want to change the world. The greatest display is when we choose to go out of here 
and lavishly forgive those greatest of offenses as God forgave us. That is how we impact the world. I consider the story of one lady, um, a lady named Joyce Meyer, and we had a member named Joyce Meyer, and I'm not talking about that Joyce Meyer. Um, You might have heard uh, of a different Joyce Meyer, and I recently came upon her story. And uh, Joyce Meyer, it's interesting, grew up as a Missouri Synod Lutheran. Um, Now is being used by God for many different things. Um, But if you know Joyce Meyer's story, maybe you don't. Um, She had a lot to forgive. She grew up in a home where for years she was sexually abused by her father. You can imagine the hurt. You can imagine the turmoil. You can imagine what it took for her to process things the right way and to get over what had been done to her. She lived in a home where her mom knew what was going on, but her mom felt helpless to do anything about it. I believe she had to forgive this way long before an apology ever came. Something happened in Joyce Meyer's life uh, as she grew up. It was that role reversal I was talking about, where her parents became in need. They needed a place to live and someone to care for them. And when Joyce Meyer first thought of the idea of being a caretaker for her parents, she thought it was the devil. (laughs) She said this thought was like, rebuke you, devil, get behind me, Satan, right? Um, Because this was just... But she took on the task of caring for her parents. She bought a house. She became a caretaker. One day, after years, the father finally broke down and apologized. Now, I believe Joyce had to process her own forgiveness long before that moment ever came. But because she had, she was not only able to tell him about her forgiveness, but of a forgiveness more superior, which is Jesus. Because she had, and she shared Jesus, her father became a believer by the power of the Spirit and by the power of her confession. And why? Because the bottom line is, As hard as it is, and it's a fight, consider the fight Joyce Meyer had in those moments. There is no greater display of Jesus' love. There is no greater display of what the gospel truly is. I know your story is not Joyce Meyer's story. I know we're different. But here's what I believe. At one moment or another, you will be challenged with the same kind of challenge that was with Joyce Meyer. I remember in my own life, on a much lesser degree, much, much lesser degree, I remember sitting across the table from someone who basically wondered, are you going to forgive? And I remember the thoughts going through my mind, because it was a lot. It wasn't a little offense. You remember the big ones. But I remember thinking, how can I not? This is the culmination of the Christian faith. How can I walk with Jesus who has so loved me and not love that person? And so I chose to forgive. And it wasn't even so much out of love for the individual as love for Jesus, my Savior, because He is that good that I choose forgiveness. Dear friends, I hope and I pray that the same Spirit would be yours. There's no way past it, and yes, it is a fight, but that the Spirit would work inside of you, and for whoever you're thinking about, you would say today, I choose to forgive, and forgive it again if I have to. Because of Jesus. Because at the end of the day, that's what the church is all about. Because at the end of the day, that's where the power is found. The power.
power of the church is not found in singing praises, though I love singing praises. The power of the church is not found in a greeting, though I love greeting people. It's not found in giving gifts, although gifts are great to extend the kingdom. It's not found in donuts or coffee. It's not found in cleaning the place up. It is found when Christians say, as Jesus has done for me, so I'm going to do for others. And even though the offense was great and they could be my enemy, I'm going to choose to forgive today so that they might know a good God, so that they might know what he means to me. Let's be that church. Let's be the church that lavishly forgives any and all offense because we know what Jesus did for us. Now let me pray for you as we do this hard work. We close with prayer. Heavenly Father, the task of forgiveness, it is an impossibility. It's an impossibility until I first see how much I've been forgiven. Thank you for Jesus and for the price he paid to wash me clean and forgive any and all sins. Now help me to fight for others and fight to forgive. Draw me close to you through this process. And then let me live in peace with my neighbors and with the knowledge of peace with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand.